You're listening to the Coastal Church Audio Podcast with Pastor Dave Coop. We are into a year, 2012, our theme this year is God Has a Better Way. And as we look into the year, uh, often the new year is uh, kind of a new chapter. It's a, it's a marking point where we start, okay, now I'm going to set some goals or some resolutions. Did anybody make a New Year's resolution this year? How many have made New Year's resolution? Don't be afraid. Just put up your hand if you made a New Year's resolution. All right. That's usually about a quarter. That's what we had in the other services. So good for you guys. Made New Year's resolutions. Some of us have done that, and we didn't follow through on it. So we're just like, oh, I'm not even going to bother this year. And others like... No, I just want to live consistently. However you do it, that's fine. But I think it's good to say, I want to to do things better this year. And as we go into our year, God has a better way. We really want to, as a church, learn God's ways this year. There's so much to say about God's way or ways in the Bible. If you get on a Bible program, lots available on the Internet, and you just would type in the word way or ways when it occurs in the Bible, and go through the list of scriptures, and you'll find out that God has a lot to say about following his ways. So I encourage you to do that at some point. When the children of Israel were coming out of Egypt and going into the promised land, God over and over again said to them, follow my ways. Deuteronomy is basically a book with Moses' talks, his sermons, his messages. And over and over again, Moses would say to the people, follow God's ways. Follow God's ways. It'll be well with you. Live. You'll have a good life. Follow his ways. One of our key verses is Deuteronomy 5.33 where it says, You shall walk in all the ways which the Lord your God has commanded you, that you may live and that it be well with you. You can live but not really live. You can live and really have an abundant life. That's what Jesus came to give us was an abundant life. And when we follow God's ways, then we do really enjoy life, have a life, and it's well with us. I think if we had a show of hands this morning, all of us would say, I want 2012 to be well with me. Well, what do we do then? We follow God's way. So this morning we're going to talk about, from the book of Proverbs, wisdoms, wisdom on discovering God's way, a better way. Not an idea. Ford had this advertising campaign called Ford Has a Better Idea. Ideas are good. Ideas are a thought, a suggestion, a possible course of action, a concept, a mental impression. But we're not talking about an idea. We're talking about a way, God's way, which is a manner of doing something, a person's characteristic, an habitual manner, a behavior. How does God want us to live? What are his ways? So we're going to Proverbs chapter 3. It's a great chapter, one of my favorites. I'm sure a lot of you recognize the verses here. Good chapter to meditate, think on. We'll be discussing it this week in our life groups. So if you have your Bibles, go to Proverbs chapter 3. We're going to read verses 1 to 10. So if you have it on your iPhone or your blueberry, I mean your blackberry, blueberry, whatever you got, or you have a Bible with you in paper, that's great. And let's go to Proverbs chapter 3, 1 to 10, and we'll read these verses. My son, do not forget my law, but let your heart keep my commandments. For length of days and long life and peace, they shall add to you. Add more days to your life. Longer life. We have a world that's looking for a longer life. As the baby boomers get older, they're thinking, how can I live longer? How can I add a few more days to my life? Last weekend, Cheryl and I were in Palm Springs 
One thing nice about going to Palm Springs, we felt really young in Palm Springs because Palm Springs has a lot of retired people there. We go to a restaurant and say, man, we, at 50-something, we feel pretty young here. This is, this is good. And we notice that when you open a magazine, you watch a TV ad, it's all about how to look young or how to live longer. So there's this desire for us to live longer. Here in Proverbs, it says, if you follow my ways, it's going to add some days to your life. So this is good stuff. This is, you know, there's no pain. There's no cuts involved. You just, you just look longer, look younger, live longer. So here we go. Adds peace to you. Number three, let not mercy and truth forsake you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. And so find favor and high esteem in the sight of God and man. It's something to find favor with people, to be esteemed, to be valued. Remember Mary Kay in her training of her, her staff, she would tell her, her, her people that sold her cosmetics, everybody wears a sign around their neck. That sign says, make me feel special. And if you make people feel special, if you esteem them, you'll go somewhere in life. This verse says here, if you follow God's ways, man will esteem you, favor you, and God will favor you. This sounds like good stuff. Let's read on. Verse 5, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Here's all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding in all your ways. Again, all your ways, not 60%, not 70% of your ways, not 99% of your ways, all your ways. Would you look at your neighbor and just say, all your ways. All your ways. That's 100% of your ways. All your ways, acknowledge him. Wherever you go, whatever you do, acknowledge him. Acknowledge he's there with you. He will direct your paths. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord, depart from evil. It'll be health to your flesh, strength to your bones. Keeps you fit, keeps you strong. It's better than your vitamins. It's, there's something about that. It affects the health of your body. In February, we're going to be doing a series on a better way to think. And we have Dr. Carolyn Leaf is going to be with us doing a seminar. And then in our services, she'll be here and that's her specialty. She has her PhD on the way we think, the way the brain works, and how it affects your health. You won't want to miss that series. It's going to be very interesting on how the way we think affects our health, following God's ways. Then number nine, honor the Lord with your possessions, with the first fruits of all your increase, so your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine. A lot of benefits in there for following God's ways, and we'll come back to those in a bit. But we want to start off today as we discover... From Proverbs, God's better ways, number one is trust in the Lord with all your heart. That's the first point. Trust. Trust is to believe. Trust is to put your weight on something, to commit it. If I trust in somebody with all my heart, if I, if I trust my wife with all my heart, it means like I totally can be committed to her. It's, it's, I'm sure, I'm positive, it's 100%. To trust in God with all heart means I can put all my weight on what God says. It's like standing up here on this platform. I can put all my weight on this platform. I can jump on it. I could do a dance. If I could dance, I could dance on it. I could run on it. But I can trust this platform. You're, you have faith in the bench you're sitting on. You're trusting the bench as you sit right now. None of you came in and said, oh, wait a minute here. Let me just check this out here. Uh, I think it'll hold me. I wait a minute. Wait a minute. Uh, no, I don't know about that. No, you trusted with all your heart. You you sat on the bench and you you trusted it. 
Well, similarly, we trust God with all of our heart. We don't trust everybody else 100%, but we can trust God with all of our heart. Sandler Training did a survey, and they wanted to find out the, who people trusted least. And so they did the survey, and uh, we're going to get you to participate in the survey this morning and see how you compare to the national average. So if you have your cell phone, get your cell phone out. We're going to do a little survey quick this morning. And here's the survey that they did. Which profession do you trust the least? So if your banker did you wrong... And you said, man, I don't trust my banker. Well, that would, you would put, I trust the banker the least. of the salesperson, mechanic, journalist, politician, lawyer. And so what you have to do is just text 37607. And if you trust the politicians the least, I don't really put a lot of weight in what they say, then you would put job five. Or if it's the journalist, I don't really trust what I'm reading. It would be job four. If it's the salesperson, I don't trust... I trust them the least out of these that are listed, then you'd put job two. So we'll let you do that for a few minutes, and then we'll come back to the survey. Proverbs 3, verse 5 says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Psalm 91, 2 says, I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress. My God, in him will I trust. By the way, you know that Psalm 91 is your 911 in the Bible, right? You got 911 on your phone. That's the 911 of the Bible. If you're in trouble, you go to Psalm 91, verse 1. Start right there. It's the 911 of the Bible. It's a, it's a chapter of safety and protection. You get to go to Psalm 91. Psalm 118, verse 8 says, It is better to trust in the Lord to put, than to put confidence in men. Well, we're going to find out where we are as far as having confidence in men here in just a little bit. So we got 149. Anybody else left to text? You guys are quick text. Okay, let's go ahead and see what we got. Oh, 163. How did we jump like that? That was good. All right, let's see. Wow. All right. You guys do not, you trust the politicians the least. That's not a surprise because every service has had the same result, and that was the national average politicians were trusted the least. The next, you had salesperson. Let me check. Yep, salesperson was number two. And then you had number three. What was number three? Is it... Mechanic. You guys had some bad experiences with mechanics or something. Because <laughs> all the other surveys and the national survey, mechanic was actually the most trusted out of these people. So anyhow, uh, and the mechanic and then lawyer came next. Uh, and then the journalist and the banker. Okay, that's a little bit different than the other surveys. So... That's who we seem to trust the least out of all this. Uh, yeah, so <laughs> you get the results. So the question is this, do we trust God 100%? We don't trust people 100%, but can we trust God 100%? We want to discover how to do that this morning. A brilliant professor by the name of John Cavanaugh took three months off to go to India and he went there with Mother Teresa, and he was spending some time in the House of the Dying in Calcutta. He wanted to figure out what to do with the rest of his life. He had had a great career, university, and so forth, but now he wanted to figure out, what do I do with the rest of my life? And so when he gets there, Mother Teresa approaches him and says, what can I do for you? And he said, well, I'd like you to pray for me. And she said, certainly. How would you like me to pray for you? 
And he responds, and he thought about this for a long time because he knew exactly what he wanted Mother Teresa to pray for him for. He says, I would like you to pray for me that I would have clarity. And she answers firmly, no, I will not do that. And he's surprised. He goes, what do you mean you won't pray for clarity? She's, he said to her, you have such amazing clarity. I just want that kind of clarity for this next season of my life. And her response was to him, clarity is the last thing you are clinging to, and you must let go of it. She went on to say, I have never had clarity. What I have always had is trust. So I will pray that you trust God. Why? Because clarity is a byproduct of trust. When we trust in God with all our heart, then the pathway opens up. Oftentimes, we're standing there waiting for clarity. God, I want to, I, I can't do anything until I see everything. I want all the details, and then I will make my step. And God said, if you will step, I will give you the details. I can't lay them all out. This is a life of trust. Trust me, my child. I will go with you. Watch me. I will lead you. And so he was wanting clarity, and she was praying for trust. I don't know if you want to stay in the room after I make this next statement. You may want to leave. If you leave, that's okay. But I have to tell you this. In 2012, God is going to set us up for challenges. There may be some trials in 2012. You say, oh, I thought if I became a Christian, I went to church, I wouldn't have any trials, that everything would be easy. I don't know where you picked that up, but that's not the truth. It would be nice if we could say, no more trials, no more heartaches, no more tough times when I became a Christian. No, actually, God has us sometimes positioned where we are faced with problems that we can't solve, with challenges that are too big to us, and we go, God, what do I do? Which way do I go? And he intentionally does it. He brings us to a fork in the road. Do I go this way or do I go that way? Then I love what it says in Isaiah chapter 30, verse 21, that he whispers behind us, that's the way, go that way. In James chapter 1, it says, consider it all joy, coastal church, when you encounter various trials, various different kinds, financial trials, family trials, work trials, immigration trials. Have you ever been there? Oh, God, I don't know what else to do. I've done everything I know to do. God, what do I do? At that point, God says, ha, ah, trust in me. I'll make a way. Where there is no way, I'll make a way. That's why James says, count it all joy when you encounter trials. Will you have trials in 2012? Yep. Will we have challenges that are bigger than our strength? Yep. But he says, count it all joy. Why? Because it will produce endurance. And then he says, hang in there because you will be mature You'll be complete, and you will lack nothing. Boy, that's good news. Right after that, he says, by the way, if you lack wisdom, ask, and I'll grant you wisdom. What do we usually lack in trials? We just don't know what to do. And God sets us up so that we have to put our weight on him and trust him. So that's coming in 2012. You guys are a good group. None of you laughed on that. Thank you. You hung in there. But it's good to know in 2012, when we do have a trial, God will show us a way, a better way. Now, the other thing that's going to happen in 2012 is we're going to face some temptations. You may have already faced temptations. And we read in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13, but remember that temptations that come into your life are no different from what others experience. 
There's a myth out there that we think our temptations are far worse than anybody else's. You know, what happened to me, uh, you know, it's, it's my situation is so unique. Nobody else would have been tempted the way I would have been. And here Paul says, you just have to understand that what you're facing for a temptation, lots of other people are, are facing the same challenge. And then he says, God's faithful. What's that mean? That means he can be trusted. His ways can be trusted. He will keep the temptation from becoming so strong that you can't stand up against it. And when temptation comes, you have to take a stand. And you stand up and say, no, I'm not going to do that. And you stand up in the face of other people possibly even rejecting you because you're saying, no, I'm not going to do that. Not going there. But you take a stand. Then it goes on to say, and when you are tempted, not if you're tempted, when you're tempted... It's not 24-7. The devil is not omnipresent. But he does go about like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. And there's times he'll come knocking on your door. Or there'll be a temptation. We'll have to take a stand and say, wait a minute. No, not going to go there. This verse says here, God will show you, notice this, a way out, a better way. He'll show you a way out so that you will not give in to it. You don't need a lot. Listen carefully. You just, in that moment of temptation, you just need a half a second, a millisecond, just to say, wait a minute, this is a temptation. If you, if you can just think that, wait a minute, this is a temptation. And when you think that, then you think to this verse, there's a way out. God, what is it? You just got to be like a, you know, ever watched The Born Identity or one of those movies, and they always just seem to know the way out. Well, you're, you're kind of like God's ambassador. You are his ambassador. You're his agent, right? And uh, you have the heavenly identity. You have an earthly identity. And when you're tempted, as God's agent, you go, okay. There's a way out. They always seem to find a way out. They've got a rope. They slide out. They jump out. They, they get out. Well, in the spiritual realm, you're God's agent, and he never puts you in a place that there's not a way out. You just need that little moment. Okay, wait a minute. There's a way here. I'm not trapped. What is it? Sometimes it's a person who just walks into the room. A change in the scenario. Just a little change. Ah, oh, that's it. I get to slip out of this. Mark Twain said, it's easier to stay out than get out. Once you're pulled into the trap, you got a mess to clean up. Now, God restores, God heals us, forgives us, but as the Bible says, obedience is better than sacrifice. I like what Chuck Swindle said, there is no temptation. Where there is no temptation, there can be little claim to virtue. Sometimes the very fact that you're being tempted is just the fact that the enemy wants to trip you up because you're doing something for God. Don't take it as a negative. Take it as an opportunity. Rick Warren said, Sin is thinking I know uh, better than God, so I disobey and do it my way with money, time, sex, and everything else. God's way is always better than my way. The question is, will I trust him? Quickly, here's a few misunderstandings regarding temptation or myths. One, temptation itself is sin. To be tempted is not sin. Jesus was tempted. But yet the Father said, this is my son whom I'm well pleased. Temptation is not sin. Again, to quote Rick Warren, action, not attraction, is the sin. 
Attraction to beauty and arousal isn't a sin. It just means you're alive. Arousal is an uncontrollable physiological response. But what you do with it is 100% within your control. Switch your focus. So, again, action, not attraction, is a sin. It's what you do with the temptation when it comes at you. But to be tempted is not a sin. Another myth is God is disappointed and displeased when we're tempted. No. Number, another one is we overcome all temptations by separation from it. If I just separate myself from it, I won't be tempted. No, God called us to be a light in the darkness. He called us to let our light shine. We're not called to be, we're called to be in this world, but not of this world. And even if we separate ourselves and we lived on some mountain as a hermit somewhere, guess what? We'd still be tempted. So you don't separate yourself to be free from it. You walk in God's ways. Another misunderstanding is when I'm spiritually mature, when I get old enough, I'll no longer be tempted. That's not true. I was so surprised. I went to visit my grandmother. She was in her 90s in an old folks' home. And I asked her what I could pray for her for. And she asked me to pray for her for something she was tempted over. My grandmother in her 90s. I thought, grandmothers don't get tempted, do they? And I asked her that question. She said, oh, yes, we do. We have doubts. and We have temptations. just in your 90s. I don't know, for whatever reason, I just thought when you get old that some, some place you just hit this mystical thing and no longer were you tempted or troubled anymore. You know what? That's a lie. And I prayed for Now, you're not tempted to the same thing. I mean, when you're 10 years old, you're tempted to steal a cookie, but hopefully when you're 30, that doesn't bother you anymore. You, you, get, you get a different temptation, you know, when you get... What, what she was tempted with at 90 wasn't what you're tempted with when you're 30. It was a different temptation. But nonetheless, she still had to resist at that age. So if you're thinking, well, when I get to a certain age or I know enough of the Bible or something, I'll be left alone. No. We will stay alert. All of our days, we must stay alert. Be alert, the Bible tells us. Temptation is usually something we want to do. It appeals to our immediate desire, where a test is something we find difficult to do. There's a difference between temptation and and a test. Temptation usually tries to capitalize on your weakness to bring you down, where a test will take your weakness and make it a strength. When Martin Luther was asked how he overcame the devil, remember Martin Luther, the great reformist? They asked him, how do you overcome the devil, Martin Luther? Listen to his response. Well, when he, being the devil, comes knocking at the door of my heart and asks, who lives here? The dear Lord Jesus goes to the door and says, Martin Luther used to live here, but he has moved out. Now I live here. When Christ fills our lives, Satan has no entrance. Yeah. Number two, wisdom from Proverbs. We better get moving here. Uh, In choosing your way, lean on what God is speaking to your heart, not your understanding. Proverbs 3, 5, lean not on your own understanding. God's ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. Jesus really introduced an upside-down kingdom. When you think about it, his ways were quite different than our ways. His ways were the first are last, the last are first, greatest is least, weak is strong, love those who hate you, forgive 70 times 7. When you lose your life, you'll find it. It's like, that's a different way to do life. But he says, my ways are better, a better way. 
David Smallbone, I don't know if you, that name rings a bell with you, but he was living in Australia. His job was promoting concerts, Christian concerts. And uh, one of the concerts didn't go very well. Uh, he took a bath on it financially. Personally, he lost a quarter million dollars. And it, it broke him. He, the, the bank repossessed his house, married six kids, and he's broke. Repossessed the house. He's like, oh, God, what do I do? And uh, he's praying. And uh, he says, God, show me your way. And he gets a phone call from Nashville. And they, a leading artist there says, hey, I'd like you to come here. I've got a job for you. I'd like you to come manage what we're doing. And uh, he says, great. And as a family, they just have a piece about it. And so they move from Australia to Nashville. With a, that's a big change. Nashville is a whole nother country. They speak a whole nother language in Nashville. We were in Tennessee for one year, and we learned it's, it's another culture. Another, I love it, but it's another language, another culture. We went to a, uh, a big boys restaurant in, when we were in Tennessee. Anybody been to a big boys? There's a few of you. Okay, big boys. We went to big boys, and uh, it's kind of like a Denny's. We went to this big boys restaurant, and we sat down on a tight budget, and Cheryl and I are there, and we're thinking what to order, and we looked on the menu. You know when you're in a tight budget, trying to pick the thing you get the most bang for your buck. What can we get the most food? And I don't have a lot. Order water with the lemon and, uh, and get, you know, a plate that's a lot, and we'll share it. And so, you know what we ordered? We ordered chips and gravy. And we said, can we have some chips and gravy? And she looked at us kind of strange. And she said, chips and gravy. Yeah, chips and gravy. You want chips and gravy? Yes. And she said, okay. So she walks out. Quite a while later, she comes back. We had our water. She comes back, the chips and gravy. Guys, it was a big plate full of like potato chips out of a bag, potato chips piled on this plate. But that's not all. Then she took no wonder she looked at it strange, because she took this thick biscuit gravy, and she poured biscuit gravy over those potato chips. And then she looked at us, and she said, I think we have one of them there communication problems. <laughs> it was, it, Nashville is not Vancouver. It's, I love it. It's, you, you won't find more friendly people than that southern hospitality. It's, it's amazing, but it's a different culture. So this guy moves from Australia to Nashville with six kids, and then he gets there, and he gets the news that your position is no longer available. He goes, oh, great. He's got his wife, six kids, and you know if you have children, what it's like, or all of a sudden it's like, God, what do I do? Now, right about now, it's not making any sense to him what God's doing with his family. He's put all his weight on God's word. He's totally trusting God and his understanding is going, this does not make sense. Watchman Nee said, I'm led by my spirit and I prove it with my mind. Led by my spirit. I'm led by my heart and later on my mind catches up. Have you found that sometimes when you're following God, your mind doesn't catch up to later on? Right about now, his mind is like, I don't get this. But his heart feels like he's in the right place. It troubled him that he was really, for three days, laid up, in bed, depressed, struggling with it, fighting through it. If you fought through stuff like this, you're not the first person. He's fighting through it, fighting depression, fighting, I blew it, just wrestling with this. Thank God for wives. His wife comes along and says, honey, you know, we should really be praying. 
Time to get out of bed. Let's pray. Let's get the kids together. So they have a family prayer meeting. They pray, God, what are you saying? What are we supposed to do here? And they finish praying, and little miracles begin to happen. Somebody gives them a van. He gets some jobs, some small jobs to work. And, and then, because he's in the music industry, they find that his daughter, who's 15, is a great singer. And miraculously, the door opens that she gets to make a CD. Her name's Rebecca. She takes on the other family name, which is St. James. And Rebecca St. James launches her career. And he was thinking, God, what do you want to do with our family? It wasn't the way he thought. It was totally different than what he thought, the way God would use his family. God raised up Rebecca, and she became a Grammy Award singer. She won Dove Awards. She became an actress and is an actress. She became an author and is an author, written nine books, and, and just really became a voice for the Christian community. She was named one of the top leading women in the Christian world under the age of 40. She's 34 years of age today, recently interviewed in December for a book she wrote. She wrote a book and just released this last year called What Is He Thinking? Because she was single till recently, and her challenge was, I can't figure out what guys are thinking. I'd really like to date one. I'd like to marry the right one, but I can't figure out what they're thinking. So she says, I'm going to write a book on it. She's, it wasn't written for somebody who's 18 or in their 20s. written more for people that are late 20s, early 30s, and so forth. What are guys thinking? And so she interviewed them, put a book together called What Is He Thinking? And really, it's a book about purity. It's a book about keeping yourself for marriage, whether it be from young or whether you rededicate your life to the Lord and say, now I'm going to live for God and live pure sexually. That's what the book basically was about. But she goes on this talk show with these two liberal guys. And I just, I watch, I go, wow, you are one gutsy gal to get on there and to raise up your book, really raise up God's way and say, world, there's a better way. And believe it or not, there's a lot more people following that way than you think. And it was just, I really was encouraged by her standing up and saying, there's a better way. And where did it start? It started by a dad saying, God, I don't understand you, but I'm going to follow your way. And the end result is his daughter and their family really making a statement through that ministry. Uh, I really enjoyed the clip. I want to show it to you just for a little break of the message, and we'll get back to the message. And tonight on our Great Great American panel, he, a former Deputy Assistant Secretary of State, Fox News contributor, USA Today columnist, five co-host. He's the liberal guy with suspenders. Bob Beckel is back. He, a two-time Emmy-winning actor for his work on Cheers, Murphy Brown, Sirius XM radio host, fills in for Howard Stern and has his own show. That's right. Jay Thomas is here. She is singer, actress, author of the book, What Is He Thinking? What guys want us to know about dating, love, and marriage, Rebecca St. James. You, the person you need to talk to is him. Because well, the I've person been I did talk to is you in the book. No, you, I, I you interviewed, interviewed me. you for the book. And yeah, I thought you didn't, thought you didn't put in enough about me in this book. Oh, I'm sorry. No, that's Next right. book, it, I'll interview you, more. She doesn't have you from cover to cover? No, 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 it was a very small part about me. He well, spoke about purity. I, she, I gave her a one-hour interview. You talked about purity? Yeah, the yeah, importance of purity. 
I've heard it all. I bet you. What we're thinking? Is that the book? No, no, no. What, not. what is he thinking? <laughs> what are guys you, thinking you, about dating? You, and you wrote a book telling people what guys are thinking. I interviewed guys about what they're thinking and what they're thinking about purity. These That's are right. good guys. There are good guys left. That's right. And I have a book wanted. out called The Guys That Lied to Rebecca. <laughs> <laughs> I did not I, lie to Rebecca. And I, don't, I don't mean this to be rude. Here it goes. But it is not valuable to tell you the truth. It's only valuable to lie to you. So if no, you don't, no, no, no. My husband, I just got married seven months ago. And well, that's a whole other deal. Me. But there's, there's, Trustworthy. There's, there's no value in telling someone the truth that will make you look bad. So there's a great value in lying. But what about that's honesty? Exactly right. Well, Handy's an honest guy, except he, he was for his politics, which are not dis no, I mean, horrible. Just horrible politics. I mean, he's honest about how horrible yeah. they are. But, uh, but I'm not sure that the, the mass of men necessarily would view him as the kind of mind that you might think about when you're Thanks a lot. considering uh, Wait, can I ask you a question? Wait, you're the it, one who opened up wait, this line of questions. Wait a minute. You're, wait, you, you talk about your faith. You and I talk about yes. it at length. Right. And you're saying that there's no guy that can be friends with a woman that's good looking and not want to have sex with her. Basically is what you're saying or try to. Uh, I, I, would say that, I would say that... For the that, first eight years, that's true. Yeah, that's There's true. a time, yeah. though. It yeah. takes a long time. I, I don't know many. You can uh, be friends for like seven or eight years yeah. before you get over go ahead, wanting Rebecca, to be can, with her. You can, but go ahead. what wait, wait. I am saying, and this is what the book you know, really shows, is that there are good guys left because I married an amazing one. He waited for me, 28 years old, and I interviewed other guys like him that are committed to period. Why do we waiting? make fun of people because they follow their faith and let's say they wait for that person until they get married? We, and we're going to talk about Tim Tebow later. Here's That's Tim good. Tebow. He believes we'll stop in there. God. You, you catch what he said at the end. He said, why do we make fun of people that follow their faith? So here's a little warning for you. If you want to follow God's ways, a better way, some people might make fun of you. You may find yourself like Rebecca St. James, taking a stand and around liberal people who challenge your position. So you really need to be grounded on where you're standing. The good news is that where you are standing, it will hold your weight. In the length of time, you'll find out it held out. Because when you start, Jesus said, the broad way, a lot of people go down it and they think, hey, it's all good. If it feels good, do it, that type of attitude and we go down that road and we think hey I'm young I can do whatever I can live liberal whatever way I want to and uh, but something interesting happens just follow the human family down that road and you'll find it gets tighter and tighter and tighter until one day there's a prison and you're saying God get me out and he does or you can take what God says is the narrow way. And people will call you narrow. But when you walk down that way, you find it leads to freedom, it leads to strength, it leads to courage. Just track it. Track it 20 years. Track it 30 years. You can stand on God's ways. Put all your weight on it. We must move along. Number three, uh, wisdom from Proverbs on discovering a better way. Ask God for his way in small matters, in big matters, because it says in Proverbs 3, 6, in all your ways, acknowledge him. He'll direct your paths in every little thing. Now, God has a blueprint for your life. That makes sense. And when you look at a blueprint, you'll see big pictures and you'll see little intricate things. 
when we renovated this building here, we had blueprints for the renovation. And there's big pictures of the outside and so forth. And we go to God for big things. But, you know, God's actually really interested as well in the little things of our life. In that blueprint for this renovation, there's bolts, certain kind of bolts. On this side of the building are buttresses. If you look outside on this side of the building, you see these iron buttresses that come up against the wall, and they bolt into the wall. And then there's connectors that kind of like in an L shape. There's steel beams that now run underneath this floor that connect to that, and they're connected with these certain bolts. And the bolts are designed by engineers, and this whole mechanism makes this building seismic-proof. It's a seismic upgrade, they called it, so that if we had an earthquake, we'd be safe in the building. That's good news. I hate to tell you, prior to this, like it could stand a, a tremor like a 1.5. That was where we were at. But we upgraded the building so it's now safe within an earthquake. So, but in that, there are these little bolts that are in this building. They're little details. But in the overall scheme of things, how many of those little bolts are really, really important for the overall thing of the building? And in our life, we've got little details But in God's plan, blueprint for our life, those little details are really important. So he says, in all your ways, big or small, commit your ways to me. Don't be afraid to ask me in all the ways that you're going for my input, for direction. John Bassanigo is a pastor in Houston. He tells a story in their church of this young woman, and she was studying late at the library, and time had slipped away on her. All of a sudden, the library's closed, and she's got to go home. And normally she'd go through the park. The longer way around was like an extra mile, so she'd always just go through the park. And so she's leaving that night, and she kind of has to still go through the park, or don't I? And she just prays, says, God, just says a quick prayer. God, protect me as I go through the park. She commits her ways to the Lord. It's a small detail, really. She's just going home from studying in the library. And as she's going through the park, she comes to this dark area, and there's this man leaning up against a tree, and he's a creeper. He just looks creepy, he is creepy, and they make eye contact. And again, she just says a silent prayer, God protect me. This is Psalm 91, verse 1. This is Psalm 91, the chapter, where it says in verse 2, I will trust in the Lord. He is my shield. He's my buckler. Then it goes on to say, a thousand may fall on one side, a ten thousand at the other, but it will not come near me. And she just prays this prayer protection. She understood something about God's ways. She comes home. She says, oh, thank you, God, for protecting me. She goes to sleep, wakes up in the morning, and one of the gals in the dorm said, was anybody in the park last night? And she says, yeah, I went to the park after studying. She says, well, the police want to talk to you. So she goes and meets with the police, and they said, were you in the park? Yes. What time? Gives them the time. They said, come to the police station with us. She goes down there, and there are eight guys lined up there. She says, they said to her, can you identify the man you saw in the park. And she says, yep, that's the guy. He was arrested because 10 minutes after she walked through the park, another woman did, and she was raped. She says to the officer, is it okay if I ask that man a question? And he says, well, why? She says, it's just really important to me. Can I ask him a question? So they bring him out. Ask him your question. She said, do you recognize me? He goes, yes. She said, why did you rape the woman after me and not me? He said, are you crazy? There's no way I would have touched you with the size of the guy that was walking beside you. Angels. He will give his angels charge concerning you. What was it? 
This is just, I will commit my ways to the Lord. Small detail, but worth committing your ways to the Lord. Uh, Number four, we have to move along here. Don't assume that you know it all. Proverbs 3, verse 7 and 8 says, Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord. Depart from evil. It will be health to your flesh, strength to your bones. Number five, honor God with everything you own. This is actually one of the hardest things to trust God in. It's right here after trusting God in all your ways, because one of the hardest things to trust God with is our possessions. But everything we have is from Him. We trust Him with it, and we honor Him in the first fruits in our giving. Quickly, what are the benefits for following God's ways? You live longer. That sounds good. Two, peace in your life. That sounds good. You can't get that at London Drugs. You can't get it at Costco. You can't even get it at the liquor store around the corner. You find that in Christ, in following God's ways. Three, favor with God and man. Four, you know the right way to go. Five, health to your body. Six, you have plenty of more than enough. I think it's worthwhile following God's ways. Thank you for listening to this podcast. If you would like to download free notes from this message, then visit our website, www.coastalchurch.org.